Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. What's up, what's up, what's up? Welcome into the Orange Zone podcast. We got a twofer this week. It's a twofer. It's a twofer. I'm Tommy Sladek. This is Samantha Croston. We have Rachel Culver on the producer, Mike. If you're watching on YouTube, what's up from the Skycam? If you're listening, Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcast, thank you. We appreciate you tuning in for your spot for all things Syracuse Orange. Now, what we got going on today, we're recording this on Thursday, and we're going to be talking about this Syracuse women's lacrosse quarterfinal game with Virginia Tech that uh, had a very different story from the blowout win they had in the regular season, as well as previewing the semifinal game that's happening Friday at 3.30. So let's get going. Let's get right into it. It was a 14-12 to 12 final score, and for a team like Syracuse that went 15-0, lost to Boston College, I was looking at this as a momentum, a get-right, um, because you know the ACC is the toughest in the country, and I don't feel like it was a get-right, Sam, after beating this Hokie team 16-5 to in this one, truly letting it come down to the wire. No, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that at all. I think there were moments of beauty, but it did lack consistency, which is something that we've seen over the past few games, and I understand why there is some concern. Because I think for the entire year, it seemed like this was a team that was almost unbeatable. Now, all of a sudden, we're realizing that's not the case anymore. You're supposed to be playing your best lacrosse in May. And I don't think in late April, they're necessarily playing their best lacrosse right now. Would no. you agree? Oh, not at all. It doesn't, it, it, from offensively and defensively, it doesn't feel like they're just on their, on their game. Um, but, but then again, I saw their game. It just happened to come out towards the back half of this one. Um, and let's start on the offense because they started off shooting two for 10. So to me, these scores that we've seen in these past two games with them in Boston College, ultimately, you know, they did go up big on Boston College. Um, but in this one, that, that two for 10 start kept this thing so close. That's rough. That's rough. And yeah. I mean, you look at the first quarter of this game, the fact that Virginia Tech was able to hold Syracuse to two goals in the first quarter, that is not something we normally see. Even the fact that they only scored six goals in the first half. Again, yeah. we're normally seeing more offensive output from this team. Now, one wrench, I think Syracuse's worst enemy yesterday was freshman goalkeeper Jocelyn Torres from Virginia Tech. She played lights out. She had a good game. Very good game. And she's actually had a good season. So you have to have, give credit where credit's due. But still, nevertheless, without Megan Tyrell, to be honest, coming out in that fourth quarter and getting some of those goals in crunch time, it could have been a different outcome, quite honestly. They could have lost. And ultimately, after going 2 for 10, they turned things around and went 12 for 21 the rest of the way. That's a lot more on par with what we know this Orange team to be. But ultimately, I, I can't help but look at that first string offense in the Emmas, in the Megans, and just kind of say, 
the slow it, it just can't happen moving forward. You can't be having this start right now when the NCAA tournament is right around the bend here. But let's switch over to the defense and the goalkeeper um, because it did feel like we did not see the best of Delaney Schweitzer in the defense. No. Delaney Schweitzer, I think, has had issues since the second half of Boston College, and they've continued to follow her into the Virginia Tech game. I think that there's two sides to this. On the one hand, we are all, as a fan base and as people who cover this team or people who know her, are so used to seeing her do consistently well throughout the season. Remember how Dino Babers always used to say that he didn't want somebody who was Like, it was something along the lines of he didn't want somebody who was sometimes great. He wanted someone who was consistently good. He didn't want, yeah, occasionally great. Occasionally great. He wanted consistently good. That's how I feel about Delaney Schweitzer. I feel like she is consistently good. So this is something that we're not used to seeing. And she needs to pick it up because there are really important games around the corner. But you can't expect a goalie to play great 100% of the time. You can't expect any player to play great 100% of the time. If they always played great, sports wouldn't be what it is, right? So in those moments, that's when I think that you need your defense to be stepping up. And what do I mean by that? Because obviously lacrosse is a high-scoring game, so you know that there are going to be shots that Delaney Schweitzer has to face no matter what. But this is what you can do when you see that your goalie is having a bad day or a mediocre day. You can force outside shots. If I was a goalie on that team, I'd be telling my defenders, you have to be pushing them outside, making them take low angle shots or shots where they take it from a stationary position because the worst thing you can have as a goalie when you're having an off day is either shots that are right on the doorstep and they're one-on-one and they have and there were their pick of wherever they want to shoot or you're having cutters come in who are cutting across because as a goalie now I have to track that ball as it moves across the eight so that's what I think that the defense could do maybe communicate a little bit more and kind of be there a little bit more for her because the same way that when a goalie is playing confidently and the defense feels better about it if I know that my defense is holding it down I'm going to be a more confident goalkeeper and we're talking about Delaney having a season where she she is a Toriton you know, finalists. Yep. And and I believe there's seven, right, from Syracuse. Um, or no, sorry, seven all ACC selections. But there's multiple finalists from Syracuse. Yes. I, I need to get that exact number. It's a ridiculous number. Um, but ultimately moving forward from here, and again, uh, if you weren't watching, Megan Tyrell ended up stepping up big because the Hokies scored with six minutes to play, making it twelve to eleven. This was just a kind of breakdown play. It was not pretty. And then it was SU's all-time leader in points, also someone that surpassed 400 career points in Megan Tyrell that came up huge with the final two goals of the game. And it really was that moment of this is what separates the goods from the greats and the greats from the legends because Megan Tyrell is entering legend status because legends go in there and win the game for their team and take matters into yes. their own hands. And we saw that. And she's goaded, right? She's goaded. She she played great. Stamp it. Stamp it, Otto. Stamp this it. is an auto stamp right here. <laughs> the auto goat stamp. The auto goat stamp. Um, she's great. But I think this is how I knew that they didn't play their best game outside of just knowing this team and watching it. I think if you were like watching this game for the first time, this is how you would know. Megan Tyrell, as you said, eclipsed 400 points in this game. No one from Syracuse has ever done it. Only nine players in lacrosse have ever done it. This is a big milestone. You would think on a day like this, it would be a happy day. And they showed her face, a close-up of her face, right when the game was over, when they were in the handshake line. And I'm telling you, she wasn't happy. And she wasn't happy because she's a team player, and she knew that the team didn't play to the best of their capability. 
Right. And you got to imagine, I know there was a lot of emotional faces of Virginia Tech players too. And I think that is, did, did you, I'm sure there were some tougher moments, especially if you're, if you would cross paths with some of these, um, you know, players on the other teams, it felt a little bit like that, that it was also maybe just a respectful, like, Hey, I'm not going to gloat here. This isn't the type of day to celebrate. We got to be celebrating more down the line, but I think you're absolutely right. And she understands and knows that this can't happen again because UNC on Friday is not a team you can let this happen against. I agree. And I think it was both. I agree with you that there is some sort of element of respect in that handshake line. I also think maybe there was. You're probably more right. No, but I think it's both because I also think there's a level of like they could be celebrating, sure, but they were supposed to win that game. Exactly. They were always supposed to win that game. It just wasn't supposed to be as close as it was. And I think that some of the thoughts, at least that would be swirling around in my mind as I'm going through that handshake, is in the beginning of the year, Syracuse beat Virginia Tech 16-5. to So did Virginia Tech play better or did Syracuse play worse? Based on what happened in the Boston College game, I can't help but say it's more on Syracuse. And after the Boston College game, I was very much quick to give credit to BC because they did. They had a great end of that game. But to see this happen again, that's when you look and say, okay, you know, credit to the opponent, obviously, but for it to happen twice after it really not going down for the entire season – you have to say that there was a trend here and they need to cut it before Friday at 3.30 because, again, UNC is just not a team you can do it against. And I know the broadcasters yesterday were making a mention of, you know, there's there's times where winning the ACC is harder than the NCAA tournament. It's arguably a bigger accomplishment. And UNC has had this crown since Syracuse last won it in 2016, 2015. It's nuts like, how many times crazy. they've won this in a row. So that that's nuts that it's we're we're seeing this game happening in the semifinal, um, and ultimately it's it's I think it'll be a big deal again if they get back to the championship. But from what we've seen, we know that they can be this other team, this other team that defensively is handling their stuff better, offensively is coming out the gate fast and maintaining it. I want to see that happen Friday. This is the bottom line. On Syracuse's best day versus every other team's best day in this Division I field right now, they are the best team in Division I lacrosse. It's my opinion. Mm -hmm. But the question is, are you going to have your best days on the days where it's the most important? That is up to Syracuse. Kayla Trainer can't make that decision. You and I, as people who cover the team, can't make that decision. It is up to the players on that field to come together as a unit, figure out the things that are wrong right now, not get too in their heads about it, and move forward. I think in the beginning of the year or in the middle of the year, you can talk about adjustments or problems or whatever. Right. We're entering an, an era right now in late April and early May where you really just need to take things game by game. There's no cause for concern or reason to go into an absolute tizzy because of a couple of you know, miscommunications and a couple of things that aren't going right here and there. Yes, we've seen them play consistently all year long. But I was really thinking about even just compared to some of the other sports we covered, like how many times in a Syracuse football win were we like X, Y, and Z went wrong, but a win's a win. You know, like this, sometimes yeah. sometimes a win is just a win. It just is what it is. So you need to just learn from the mistakes from the previous um, games and, and move forward. You know, I think that's all it is. I don't think there needs to be anything to overcomplicate it. This should be the year that they win their first national championship. It will be a disappointment if they don't. Clip that. Clip that. That's getting clipped. 
and going on social because I think you're right. Um, any final thoughts before we move on to just a quick mention of the NFL draft happening this weekend and also a little update on Joe Girard III. Final thoughts on lacrosse. I think as a goalie, my goalie coach always used to tell me that a goalie has to have a short memory. Mm -hmm. I think this entire team has to have that mindset going into the ACC tournament and continuing on into the NCAA tournament. Oh, yeah. You got to be Dory. Got to be Dory and finding the Got to be Dory. Absolutely feel you. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Let's get into J- JG3. Uh, Rachel, I'm going to bring you on in on this too. Um, Clemson and LSU. I don't think this was the finalist I was expecting. So Joe on Wednesday night put it out there that it was LSU and Clemson because originally the conversation was Clemson, BYU, Notre Dame, um, you know, which all of them kind of had more of that make sense story. And then all of a sudden he went on that trip to LSU. And here we are that I can say this right now. Joe Girard will be a Tiger next season. Two Tiger teams. What do you think, Rachel? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Um, I previously, when he had kind of announced that he would be having at-home visits with a couple of these schools, I kind of delved into it a little bit and wrote an article. It's a great article, by the way. <laughs> Go check it out, cnycentral.com. Um, but I, in doing that, I think I told you this, Tommy. I was like, Clemson just kind of feels right for some reason. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if it's me just literally envisioning him in orange and not being able to fight <laughs> yeah. that. But I just, I think with the way their team is set up going into next year, I think that's something that I can envision. But you're right. He will be a Tiger. So it's just going to be a matter of which color Tiger. Right. Well, let me ask you a question. Why were you surprised that this was the final two? Um, ultimately, because I... I, I, maybe it's just because I'm more used to the ACC teams, so I can see it kind of transitioning a little bit better. And a part of it is just I don't know anything about LSU basketball right now. Like the SEC, I just know as, you know, Auburn, Alabama, you know, the schools in this past tournament that kind of made some waves. But ultimately, I, looked at, I look at LSU, I think of Ben Simmons, and, you know, I think of Shaq. But it's just a funny idea having this dude from upstate New York ending up, at Louisiana. I think that's a part of it. But then again, Clemson's in the South, too. Um, ultimately, I think, of, I think of LSU, and I think of that news that came out today, Haley Van Lith. That's what I think of. <laughs> I missed this. What happened? Bro! I was, I was barely, I was, I've, been not, I've not been on the internet today. Rachel, serve it up. So, uh, she has announced that she will be joining Angel and playing at LSU, Haley Van Lith. From no Louisville. way. Yep. Bombshell. Louisville. Louisville. Dang, Bombshell. That's, that's awesome. I love that. You got to eat it up. Like the the thing that the that women's college hoops needs right now is to play up the star power. I need stars. I need storylines. I need arch enemies. I need rivals. And it's all for the love of the game. And that's big. Oh, I love that. Isn't that awesome? Better NIL deal is pretty sick. You got to imagine. Mm-hmm. No doubt about it. And also, I just want to shout out all of the people who work on the graphics when these things happen because I'm sure they expect it, but how quickly they're able to, they're able to put up these like graphics of 
um, Angel Reese and, and Haley Van Lip, yeah. like together on the same team in the same jersey. I'm like, I can picture this, and I'm so excited for it. <laughs> yeah, you can imagine they already have it ready to rock. But, you know, with, with Joe, I think the NIL deal is going to be a big part of it because, again, you know, if you read Rachel's article, she's, she's very direct with it. She says she doesn't see Joe as an NBA player. So if, if Joe is the biggest name that he will be in college sports, you're going to want to go and make the most out of your grad senior year. And I think that's what he's doing. I think that's what it's coming down to because what do LSU and Clemson both have in common? They got some big money football boosters, and that translates over to basketball. Mm-hmm. So with Clemson, kind of the one thing that stuck out to me when I was doing everything, I like they have a very strong point guard. And when Joe was able to settle into that two spot and really just get oh his gosh. shots yeah. as opposed to kind of initiating offense, I think that's where he thrives. And I think that's a big draw for him that could potentially lead him to be a Clemson Tiger. But Do you guys we'll think see. he would have been averaging 15 or more points per game starting his freshman year had he been at the two from the get-go? Yes. Possibly. Mm-hmm. I'll go possibly on that. I agree with, I agree with that as well. I think, I think that would have been the case. I think he finished with 16.7 this year. And again, it just it, it felt more natural. Yeah, it felt more right. It really did. And uh, wishing him the best of luck. NFL draft. Wishing our guys the best of luck. Uh, technically tonight, maybe Matthew Bergeron gets picked like late first. By the time you're listening to it, uh, this that'll probably be outdated. So maybe he does. Um, I know the Bills are back there at 27. They love him. So could very well end up protecting for Josh Allen. Ultimately, I think it's more. Uh, it's, it's a better bet to say second round. I've seen a lot of mocks having him going to the Bears, protecting Justin Fields. But, yeah. but what did you see today on Twitter? You said it was Brent Axe, right, who posted well, it something? Was, it was uh, um, – he posted a clip from something, but it was an NFL.com article, if I'm not mistaken, that, that someone was asked about the two or three players that he could see sneaking into the first round, and Bergeron was up there and said – He's like, he's, he's big, he's tall, and he's great off the field. And there's like, you're like, that's the perfect combo, and that's the guy you want in your first round. So um, awesome story. Love rooting for Matt. Also rooting for Garrett Williams, as well as Michael Jones and Sean Tucker and Devon Cooper and Andre Schmidt. I hope they all end up on rosters and playing next year. I know that Brendan downplayed it, but I just want to say I'm still not over that bench press number, and I'm still 29. very impressed. Yeah, it's it's never going to not be impressive to me. Right? Yeah. Anyway. It's going to translate to the next <laughs> level. Just watch. That's it for the Orange Zone Podcast. Tommy Sladak, Samantha Cross, and Rachel Culver on the producer mic. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We will be back next week with a full draft recap. Uh, Lawrence Moton's going to be coming back in later this month, early next month. So, yeah, we got some more time with Moton, and then uh, hopefully get our boy James Mungro back in here before we know it. So, peace. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. We're out here. See ya.